She's a doctor. Hi, I'm Dr. Dovek, and she's a dietitian. Hey, I'm Hannah Schuyler, and together we are the, the Doctor Dietitian Collab. Hello. Hi, guys. Well, on this episode, we're talking about the triple W. We're talking about women, weight loss, and work. Yeah, I like two of those things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, what you do? <laughs> so, um, we're going to talk a lot about. The dynamics that occur from being a woman in this day and age and trying to put your health your health first and prioritize your health and all of all of the many considerations that go into that. Yeah. I think that to me something that's so important to think about when we're looking into this is that decision, of course, most of our patients are women, majority are women. Yes. But what goes into that decision of being able to take that step to go to weight loss surgery? And, you know, I think there's a lot of considerations that I'm just going to go ahead and say, I don't think most men have those mm. considerations. Yes. And we we have a lot to, to dig into here to talk about those things. And we're just going to try to be real from our years of observations of being a woman ourselves mm-hmm. and our real life experiences and just some of the things that we know that we do. Do have we have privilege and we don't have to potentially deal with certain things, but we are very sensitive to maybe what you have to to put up with and, and deal with in your lives, and mm-hmm. it's it's tough. Yeah, it's really 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 tough. And I just want to dive in here and just talk about some of those balls that we all have to to juggle in the air here, and and talk first about um, work. So um, having a job as a female, I think we've all established that women are working. We are very, very present in the workplace and multitudes of all different types of jobs and specialties and all of those considerations. And some women are either in school and they also have a job or they are working one nine to five job or maybe they work shifts. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole other thing. I I love to dive into a dietitian standpoint on um, shifts and sleep cycles and all of that kind of stuff too. We will definitely get into that because I just talked to somebody today that's a night shifter and I was like, y'all are a different breed. They are. Um, And I think it makes it harder to lose weight when you work in the night and yes. you don't sleep enough in the day. What do you think about oh, that? Oh, yeah. There's there's all sorts of things with the circadian rhythm. And um, yes, sleep, it's, yeah, there's a lot. We'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, we have to talk about that. And then also, some women have multiple jobs. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's tough. You're running from here, there, everywhere. And, and, how, and how you balance all of that is um, extremely, I think, challenging. Well, and I think not only from a time perspective of, you know, juggling, you know, even just one job is plenty. Um, so people that do multiple is, you know, I, I don't understand, honestly, how, how they do it. Um, I haven't worked multiple jobs since I was like, you know, 20. And Ooh, like, yeah. I was young. Um, but I think the other thing is that having to, like, how you are presenting yourself constantly mm-hmm. throughout the day as a woman. And all of the considerations and just the stress of that, of making sure that, you know, we meet these standards that have been placed upon mm. us of, as women that, again, frankly, men don't have. Um, and I think that, that that alone adds to that layer of of just exhaustion and effort and stress throughout the day with work specifically. Yeah, I think so. I mean, 
there's a lot put on our outward appearance. And yeah. if we mm-hmm. look sloppy, if we put to, look put together, if um, our uniform, the way, you know, there is a lot. And, and to your earlier point, 85% of weight loss surgery patients are female because I think that, yes, there's the clothes that you put on and the way that those clothes look on you, but it's also your body and your confidence in in that and maybe maybe you're a high powered exec and you have a job where you command the room and you need to be a leader or a speaker people are looking at you for whatever mm-hmm. reason whatever you're doing and sometimes you might not feel as though you're worthy for the promotion or you are um, you have the, the confidence to be able to really um, advance your career get that raise we talked about this in our opening episode of beyond the blonde and that's something that I think um, I'm sorry, like you said, I think that women think about that a lot more. Right. And there's still people out there that, you know, again, there's the, there's the stigma with weight and there's the stigma with gender or sex. And I think that both of like all of that plays into. And so you're fighting this like double, triple, quadruple whammy of moving up the ladder. And then you add into that family life mm. and how that interplays with with work. And I know we're going to dive into that. That's going to be a, a lot, but thing. like, you know, I think with work too, it is it's that confidence and it's that it, it, there's there is so much pressure on our outward uh, appearance and I think there's kind of two two things to do against. One I think is to push against that mm. and defy stand in defiance of of the societal pressure. You know, I'm I very rarely wear makeup to work. Um that started years ago. I might wear a little mascara, but if somebody ever said anything to me about it, I would be like, have you ever asked your male coworker if they're wearing makeup today? Mm. Because I doubt it. And no one has ever said anything except maybe a friend who has been like, oh, you're, you're not wearing makeup. Like, no, good, they're going to say, they're you like, look good tired. Yes, yeah, they're going to say, you look tired. Are you sick? Like, no, I just didn't spend 30 minutes in my bathroom this mm-hmm. morning, which I don't actually take that long to do my makeup. I'm not good at it, but like... I, yeah, it's one of those things. So I think that's one way. And then the other, of course, is to make some changes and, and unfortunately have to kind of conform to that, um, to the standard, because it's it, it's on an individual level can be too hard to fight. Yeah. And I mean, just looking at myself, I'll be very honest. I um, A lot of my male surgeon colleagues, for example, will wear, wear scrubs around all the time. And um, you've never, have you ever seen me wear scrubs outside of the OR? I mean, outside of like just getting yeah. a patient ready or something? No. Like, have you ever seen me wear scrubs in a clinic? How weird would I look if I was walking around? To me, and I always, like, even if I'm, I'm 100% virtual, and even if I'm doing a virtual clinic, I am going to be pretty much dressed to the nines. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm, you know, at work, walking around, because I, I do think that that is important for me. And I don't know, like, I just... I, I don't know. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm conforming, but I got a ton of makeup on at all times, too. Lots of foundation on this face. Well, and I, and I also think that there's just self-expression. And if that's what makes you confident and comfortable, then that's 100 percent the right thing to do. And, you know, this is always going to be when we talk about feminism is its choice is always mm. going to be at the root of feminism. And it's your choice to wear a full face of makeup. And it's my choice not to. Yes. And if a man wants to come in in a full face of makeup, then power to him. Um, if that's what makes him feel confident and comfortable, great, do it. I'm all for it. Uh, um, I love it. It's how I express myself. And you're right. 
if I don't have time to put makeup on or something, like let's say I'm operating in the middle of the night, there's an emergency of some sort, and I have to take off um, running. I feel like super weird. Like right. even though no one's around and I'm I'm there to save a life, like I'm not worried about the way I look. But um, I do feel like it gives me like it's it's like that invisible cape or it is the visible layer of makeup mm-hmm. that protects me and makes me feel better, even though I'm not looking at my own face. I just feel like. Yeah, I have like more, you know, little oomph. oomph. Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah. And then I also just think it's that the idea that like women can't lead or that Mm. women are not as good at jobs as men are, which like studies have shown is not accurate. Women are better leaders than men. Oh, yeah. Um, So like. No doubt. (laughs) It's sort of like, you know what? Here I am and I'm going to take control of it when when things are going down. It's chaotic. I hope that people would look to me and be like, all right, what do we do? I take control because I'll tell you what, if that ship is sinking, I better be the captain of it mm-hmm. straight up. And um, and that's that is how I um, I operate. And and I think that that in turn empowers the team to be better at what they do. And I feel like I have that ability and I don't really care at some point that I'm a woman. Um, mm-hmm. I used to be and I might have told these stories when I was um, doing my fellowship at Vanderbilt. Everybody else was a man, and this is in the South, and they all wore bow ties. I just really don't like that look. I'm sorry, guys. But (laughs) they all wore bow ties, and I had such imposter syndrome and so intimidated by it. And um, it took me a while to kind of come out of that shell of being kind of beat down in that residency training and feel like, come on. I've arrived. I'm the smartest person in the room on this topic. I've, I've had the experience and I mean, we've talked about this before, but I just feel like um, I don't care what my sex is. I don't care what your sex is. If you have the the skill set and you're the best person for the job and then let's yeah, do it. Then that's it. That's and, it. And then again, going back to then how does weight interplay with all of that? Yes. And some of it, too, is, you know, we can look at, OK, are you are you losing weight to conform to fit in or is it so you can perform better? Is it so that you feel, you know, more energy if you are giving a presentation. You feel like you can work those long hours. You feel, again, and and confidence does play a role in it. But I think that, you know, that is also where weight can come in um, into play with it. For sure. So let's switch and talk a little bit about personal life, family. Oh, all of this good fun stuff. Oh, yeah. So, well, first off, we have the times where um, there's all kinds of fun that a woman has to go through. I mean, man, you have no idea. So there's there's all of that. And then there comes a time when you decide or, you know, you have a child. Sometimes you're married. Sometimes you're not. Sometimes things don't work out. Sometimes you're a single mom. Sometimes you have family support, maybe your own parents. You know, there's a lot of different dynamics that can happen. But I think that traditionally... The woman, the matriarch, is the one that is sort of the central one that has to keep all of it moving in in just sort of in this beautiful uh, symphony of efficiency here and all of those considerations. I mean, gosh, I mean, I can tell you myself, I am very different and I almost (laughs) feel like a little bit um, also like a little fraud here to tell you guys this. And I realize I am so incredibly lucky that pretty much all I think about is bariatric surgery and being a surgeon and my job and all of these things. And I have three awesome kids. My husband 
non-traditionally takes care of all the household stuff. So he organizes it. He makes sure that if it's they're supposed to be wearing a blue shirt on Fridays, I'm like, I had no idea for like over a year. Like, you didn't realize Liv, it's a blue shirt Friday. That's why she's wearing a blue That's shirt. Like, wearing, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And it's like, oh, like, you know, I'm, and if you happen to be listening to to um, my kids' teachers, you guys are saints because I'm like, was, am I supposed to show up? Like, you came last week. Did you need another parent-teacher conference? I'm like, oh, I, what? Yeah. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> like, in one aspect of my life, I'm so together. And on the other aspect, I'm not at all. But I do recognize that there are these, like, these like uh, mom, these um, class moms that are just like every day sending out emails and they are just like ballers at getting this stuff like organized and on point. And that's a lot to handle, I feel like. Well, it is. And, and a lot of what you're describing is like, yes, it's the physical like Liv is wearing a blue shirt, but it's the mental labor and the Ooh. emotional labor. And those are I, the the hidden amount of work that, like you said, traditionally, and you know, this is looking generally speaking at cisgender heteronormative relationships. So obviously, we're excluding a lot of people in this, but I think that a lot of the ideals can play into other other relationships outside of that traditional norm. Um, and you know, it is it's that mental load mm. and having the the having to remember something is more work than I think a lot of people want to admit. And so that that emotional or mental labor of remembering that blue shirt Friday happens or that we're out of toilet paper and or we're getting low on toilet paper. And so the next time we go to the store, we have to buy toilet paper. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't help. You know, I think a lot of times and again, in this type of relationship, men will say, well, just ask me what you need help with or what you need me to do. But that's project management. And so basically you're just turning from a laborer to a project manager in that situation of like, oh, I need you to go get toilet paper from the store. But then you had to remember to tell him to do this and then remind him and then you turn into what's known as a nag. <laughs> and I think that, you know, this this is a topic that goes deep and it's deep seated in our society and in our culture. And then you put all of this again on top of a woman uh, oftentimes working full time yes. or working multiple jobs and taking care of all of these things. And I think it is amplified when kids are a part of the picture um, because then you become, you know, the default parent. You know, Aaron is the default parent yeah. in your life. They're going to call him. Granted, if you're in the operating room, they can't call you to come pick up a kid from school because they have a sore throat. That's reasonable, but it becomes every single decision ends up on that person mm, and you so get true. you also get decision fatigue of like I have to make this decision for not only myself but for the other people in my household. Yeah, it is um it is a lot and there's just so many different considerations there and I want to look at it through the lens of before surgery and after surgery and just looking at a woman's journey. And when we talk about, okay, all of these things in my head, there is first off the, even the decision to have bariatric surgery. And I think that for a lot of women, they'll think, well, who's going to take, how am I going to get all of this organized so that I can be out for 
um, you know, even the day of the surgery, like who's going to pick up my kid from school? Like if I, you know, like there's so many different things yeah. if you're the one that does that, you right. know, and how do you make sure that like, okay, I just kind of go on like autopilot. I have muscle memory to all the things I need to do. How do you um, get that set up? I'll see sometimes like, okay, my husband is here and then I have um, my, my mother-in-law is going to pick him up from here. And you can see sometimes I just, I, I can see that there's um, this ongoing coordination happening even as we're wheeling the patient back mm. to to the OR. And I'm just like, just relax and enjoy that anesthesia, my friend. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's pass it off. They're highly capable. But, I mean, I'm sure you see that all the time. Well, yeah, I do. And, and it is that coordination. And, again, it's that project management of a household. And um, it puts a lot of stress on people. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's part of the reason that we do see, like, women, a lot of women with obesity is – secondary to the stresses in their lives that they've lost control over being able to take care of themselves. And so, yeah, I also hear a lot of people say, you know, well, I make all the food for my family. Mm, And if you've got toddlers, if you've got little kids, you know, I'm always like, I get it. Somebody has to make their food, right? But do you also have a partner who can like turn on the stove? Or do you have teenage kids who can be involved in this process of of making their own food? Or something different. If you need a different diet than the rest of your family, even for a period of time, like make your own thing and either have them eat what you're eating. And if they don't like it, then they can make their own thing if they're a certain age. I'm also a big advocate of getting kids in the kitchen as not as a punishment. I want to put that out there. Kids should be cooking. It's awesome. Helps develop like good relationships with food and trying new things and all of that. But I also think you can be like, if you don't want to eat my food, fine, go make something. No, I I think that's so true. We hear that like, oh my gosh, you have a two, you require at our program um two days of of clear liquids before surgery. Like, oh, and the smells and I don't know how I'm going to do it. And and I mean that's legitimate. I mean it's yeah. it's hard. Those two days are very very hard. But especially like when you are packing lunches and making dinner and or you know even driving and getting some food for the family outside the home, it's. It's a lot. Yeah. And then also there is this just even how you how you cope with it all. Because first off, somewhere along the lines, and I say this all the time because I always see people like emphatically nodding, like you've lost yourself in this and you are so busy and worried about taking care of your kids or your maybe your um, elderly parent or, you know, even a friend, your colleagues at work. You're the one that like, well, we're going to have a party. It's it's Leslie's baby shower. So, <laughs> oh, I brought the crock pot and I'm going to make this. I'm going to make sweetest meatballs. Like, I mean, I'm going to be honest, like like you guys who have these parties and stuff like that, like you planned actually Leslie's whole baby shower and you like hauled in all this stuff. I was just like blown away by that because I just showed up. I cannot even fathom like hauling a crock pot down a hallway. That's stressful. That's stressful to me. We didn't have a crock pot. Well, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I like I see. I had like, to think that. I was like, wait, did we? But you brought like, you brought yeah. a case of water. Yeah. You brought like chips. You brought like yeah. um, finger foods. You had the cheese tray or something like that. But right. like, just like, I can't even imagine that. And some people do that every day. It's like, okay, it's so-and-so's birthday. It's so-and-so's retirement. It's so-and-so's, you know, coming, going, welcome, leaving. It's like, it's a lot. It is. And again, this going back into the work thing is that's where people always assume a woman is going to take care of it. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Like somebody is like, oh, well, Barbara is going to – yeah, Barbara will plan the birthday party. And it's like Barbara has a job. You know, Barbara's not planning it. Barbara, if you're out there, Okay, Phil, you want to plan a birthday party? Please, by all means. And like 
something too that people are you know you hear like oh well men just don't have that skill. Mm. I don't have that skill. I learned that skill. Yeah. I practiced that skill. Ooh. I you know I've been cooking for me. I've been cooking for myself since I was a, a college freshman. I didn't have a meal plan on my campus. Like, wow. it wasn't required. We had a kitchen. And I, I've always been, in, like, interested in cooking and, and eating and all of that. So I became a dietitian. Um, but I think that I was just like, yeah, I can totally do this. So I have been practicing cooking for a long time. But it's not a skill that I, like, just magically have because I have female anatomy. Ooh. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I, it's, it's a practice skill. And a lot of that stuff is – and I think, like you said, people get lost in it because all of a sudden you've, you're the one with the skills, you're the one with that ability, and now you don't have the time or the mental space to do the things that bring you joy. Oh, exactly. And I think that when you talk about that, like the only time you have, and this kind of goes into like the whole concept of habits, is that, all right, okay, I was running around all day. I, I, you open your eyes, you hit the ground running. I got to get the kids ready for school. I got to run out of the house. I have to be organized, have their lunches. Let's get in the car, sit down, buckle up, just be quiet. Then you drop them off at the bus stop or you go and you drop them off at school, all of these things. Then you get to work and then you're running in there. Okay, again, there's maybe a party or a thing and you're bringing it and then you're working and then you're thinking the whole time about, okay, I got to leave, pick them up, do this, do that. And then I think that after you've run them to dance practice, soccer practice, well, all these different things, whatever you are, finally I get five minutes to myself. Typically, the kids are finally in bed. It's later at night. You sit down and it becomes this habit of, I'm going to eat a bag of chips or I'm going to eat a thing of ice cream and just veg out on what Netflix. And this is like the time for me and what I want to do. And I even am almost like absentmindedly doing these things because it feels good and damn it, I deserve it. And here we go. Yep. And it, it, it does. It, it takes that mental capacity that is not quantifiable. So when you think about what did I do all day, like you were thinking about getting more toilet paper and that was taking up that brain space. And then, yeah, physically you don't have time to go and do. Maybe you don't have time to run to the gym. Maybe your meals are on the go more often because you're running point to point to point to point to point. Um, or, you again, you have to eventually prioritize what you're thinking about. And sometimes it's not thinking about, you know, cooking a meal with three pieces of it. That takes time and effort yeah. and oh. energy and planning. Planning. You know? A lot. And then that's the food aspect. And then, of course, there's the time for yourself. And I'm not just talking about exercise. Like, mm -hmm. because maybe you don't like traditional working out at a gym or – but, like, a time for yourself where maybe you meditate. That's your jam. Maybe you do yoga. Maybe you just take a walk. Maybe you just sit there. Like, I don't know. But, like, if you are always going – life passes and it's just, it's mm -hmm. not good. And you're not, again, you're not prioritizing yourself. And yeah. that makes it really, really hard. So then finally, a woman decides for whatever reason, and typically it's not like, oh, I woke up, uh, I think I'll have weight loss surgery. You know, and I know that every woman has countless probably, oh, I don't know, obsessive thoughts about their weight and about the way they feel. And like, oh my gosh, I can feel like my like gut hanging right now in this chair. And I'm sitting there thinking about like, this shirt looks weird on me. I have nothing to wear. I hate getting dressed. I hate the way I looked in that picture. And you're just thinking about your body all the time, laid on top of all this running around that you cannot stop the chaos to be able to say, whoa, I got to fix this. And I got to like slow it down, put the oxygen on myself first before I do it to anybody else. And I think that that is 
really just the root of it. It's that you want to do something more, but you just like you can't stop the, the 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 cyclic nature of this whole beast in order to be able to do it. Yeah, and and internally too, you have hormones that are causing like because oh, yes. it's that cortisol buildup and it's that intensity and that anxiety and that again, it's all going to exacerbate ongoing you know problems that you had. And all of this is also after, you know, for speaking about moms specifically, this is after they've carried and developed humans in them. And so, like, that physically also plays into all of this of, like, a lot of times that's where we see that, like, I had kids. I got really busy. I gained weight during my pregnancy. And now I can't lose – I can't get back to my normal weight because now the stress of life has – and the the needs of life have gotten – in the way of what I need to do for myself. Mm. Um, Exactly. We let life get in the way mm -hmm. of our own needs. And let's talk about the guilt associated with wanting more, wanting something for yourself, feeling selfish that, huh, you know what? I I know I got a ton of responsibilities and I got to, but I'm going to actually, no, I'm going to do this. And there is a lot of opposition from some people, including maybe your your partner, your spouse, um, like, that where it was where it becomes an unsupported thing. So now you're like out there alone. And that takes a lot of courage to be able to get going. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think getting through that and, and finally settling down and saying, I'm going to take a moment to put the mask on, the oxygen mask on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to do this for me. And then it is. And maybe you are met with opposition or, well, how am I going to take care of the kids while you're not able to do this? Like, you'll figure it out. Exactly. Um, Good luck. Figure it out. Don't bother me. Don't come in here. Don't jump on me because I've got that. Oh, but they like to be held. They want to have somebody else hold them. Have somebody else, you know, and I know, listen, I get it. It is not easy. And um, just because I might have my husband to swoop in and take, you know, pick the kid out with the sore throat. I know that it's not so simple. And I think that those social dynamics and and we really have to be thoughtful in that. And if you're somebody that like really needs it, but just needs a little bit of help with some of the planning, the transportation, helping the child care, you know, I think that those are things that we as a comprehensive program should really be thinking about um, incorporating into all of these things. Right. How do we solve those problems that don't, that they're just the life the little life things that come up and how do we how do we put a system in place where somebody does like, oh, yeah, I will have reliable transportation here and and my kid will be picked up from school. Yeah. And sometimes I think, too, it's just helping people to to understand how to start those conversations mm-hmm. of saying, you know, this is something to bring up. If this is something you're concerned about, are you comfortable having that conversation with your partner of, hey, this is going to look a lot different and this is what I've been doing now mm-hmm. and this is what I need from you to get to be successful? Because in the long run, I do think that this is something that really can benefit, especially if it's a woman who's taking care of her whole family. If she's feeling better and she has more energy and and can, you know, live longer and do all of that, it's going to long term benefit the family, but it's gonna there's gonna be growing pains. Yes. And 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 that's it. It's this short term kind of fear that even if you look at um what's holding them back, yes, there's the coordination and yes, there's I might not get the support, but it's also this fear of um before people go to sleep, a lot of times they they will grab my hand and or look me dead in the eye and be like, make sure that my kid has a mom. And you're like, ooh, I mean, 
I don't take this job lightly. I never, yeah. I mean, this responsibility, this absolute um, opportunity. But boy, I mean, I think that that's it too. Like, I want, I need to wake up. I, I, I need to, and, and I think that, that that fear of having an issue, a complication, a issue with the anesthesia, like if you could guarantee that everything is going to be perfect, I don't think we could operate fast enough, uh, all of 3,500 bariatric surgeons in the United States. Like it's obvious there, but there's always that what if, and there's always that potential risk. And I think that that is hard. But then, like you said, when you wake up on fine on the other side of this and you're losing weight and you're now like getting on the floor and just like all the non-scale victories of being able to just be there for yourself and your family. I mean, that's when you're like, ah, that's, that's it. That's what you're, that's why you're, that's why you're taking the risk to do it. Now, I also want to talk about something that, again, I have anecdotally seen and I think it's very real. And, you know, there's there's postpartum depression. And I do think that sometimes there's this like post weight loss kind of blues depression as well. And I think that it's also in turn with all of these other again, competing kind of things for your attention and you're trying to get prepared and you're trying to think of every single little thing and then you wake up and you're sore and you're tired. And next thing you know, I've seen that typically women who have jobs, maybe more than one job and have the sole responsibility of caring for their kids. I see a lot of these patients um, have like exhaustion. Like when the celebrities break, I see this happening to the point where I mean, I've never studied it. I've never seen anything on it. But I'd be very interested to see if like some patients who come back with um, with like nausea or just like, I just can't do it. It's actually more that they are just so overwhelmed that they are just absolutely exhausted. And you don't even have to have kids. Like it could just be like, I've been at work and I, and like when people be like, can I go back to work tomorrow? I get that. You know who you are. You know, there's a lot of patients who are like, I'm type A. I'm just going to bounce back. I'm tough. I'm a tough bra. Like I can do this. And then like all of a sudden it's like, you didn't give your time to rest and recover and you are literally exhausted. We're manifesting this as a physical issue that you're nauseous. You can't eat. You're having esophageal spasms. But I almost think that it's because you haven't been left alone to like just be. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely it. Like could be it is that you, you need that time of like it has to be support, but also like just let me rest. Just let me rest. I don't – and again, I don't want to have to think about the million and one things. I need to know that they're being taken care of. I need mm-hmm. somebody to sit here and tell me, don't think about the toilet paper. Just relax. Just exactly. nap. Watch TV. Read your book. You know, whatever whatever rest is for you, especially after surgery. Like get that done. And then because it, it can – you know, even thinking about just people, if you're going to an event or you have some big thing coming up, you know that feeling of not being hungry, of maybe being nauseated, you know, pre-wedding jitters of not eating. That's a real thing. Like having – you just – you're just like, I can't. And then when you would add on to that pain and you add on mm. to that maybe potential actual not like low-level <laughs> nausea, sure. like it can definitely escalate it. And again, I think that there's hormonal factors that play into that when we think about these stress hormones oh. and, and how elevated that can be. So if you're a partner out there, <laughs> listen – 
like take care of that person that's gone through this, that has made this life changing decision and help them with a plan in advance. Like don't be the one, don't wait for them to give you the plan because you're just putting that load onto them. Oh, yes. Come up so with the true. plan and and an outline. And some of you guys have such awesome friends and family. Like I saw um the other day, I don't know if he's listening, but he would be fine with me telling the story. One of my patients named Lance, he um he was just buddies with this guy and he just had a good friend and he knew what it was like and he was there helping this guy, cheering him on. I just thought it was just humanity at its finest. Yep. I thought, man, this is so cool. Like, listen, if you're not nervous, I'm nervous. You're like, you're, this is, you're scared. Like there's so many things you're excited. You feel like emotional, you're exhausted. Also before surgery, this is another key thing because chances are you were like tossing and turning and restless the whole night before surgery. You've only been cleared liquids. You know that you have to get up at four, like oh dark hundred here because <laughs> you have to be at the hospital so stinking early and you just don't sleep well. And so with all of that real exhaustion, exhaustion from the preparation, all like, ooh, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. And I think that it is deflating. We'll see on the support groups and things like that. Um, I, does anybody else wish they never did this, like in that short term? And I think that's, you know, all of these factors, including some of the hormonal shifts and just, man, you're beat up. You're beat up. You're waving the white flag. You know, I think about women, um, Women typically make decisions and they are saying things like, like, there's no time to make a decision. Like, there's no time to wait or, like, just to hesitate even. Like, you got to, like, make a quick decision. What do you want to eat to her dinner? Let's go. I'm passing the Wendy's. You want to go there? Do you want to go home? Whatever. And there's just, like, this instinctive drive to keep going. Stay strong. You're tough. Don't quit. Don't give up. I keep, I, I'm in survival mode always. Like you don't have time. Like if you look back on a time in your life where, I mean, I had three kids under three and um, I look at the picture of myself in the hospital where I, I had um, two of them didn't walk. All three of them were in diapers. So I had a two-year-old, a one-year-old and a newborn. And I remember hobbling out and I just gave birth and I was like, oh my God. I mean, I'm not asking you to feel bad for me, but I, I look at those pictures I don't know if I blacked that out or not, but I just was like, oh, it was fine. I don't remember a time in my life where it wasn't like doable. People are like, you're busy. You got three kids that yeah. are now ages six, five, and four. And I'm like, oh, I didn't think it was that bad. But I think that you have that mindset. And sometimes surgery really will make you like come to a screeching halt. And then it's really hard to deal with that men- mentally. So I think it's easier for you or you maybe part of it is because you had that husband that was supporting you, which traditionally, again, speaking like, would be the wife's role. And so I think sometimes you don't see that because you're like, well, I, yeah, I, I was able to do this. I had the three kids in diapers and now the the kids that are running all over the place. And it's like, because you have that person at home that is taking care of all of those things that yeah. again, traditionally would be. And I think it's great that, that your husband does that. Like props, you know, I think there's more men that need to be out there doing that and, and supporting women in that way. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. And I think everybody's situation is a little bit different. Sometimes I feel like my world is crumbling and I'm going to over be overcome by the stress and anxiety. And sometimes I feel like it's easy. And I think that it's just like okay to like connect with yourself and be like, how am I doing and how am I handling this? And how do I help myself to get to the best place I can be from, you know, all of these different angles? And right. um, 
like, again, just take care of myself in this. And for some reason, we we all put ourselves last to a degree. So we do. And then I think, too, thinking about how this, you know, if you think about a, a woman in, in a household getting surgery, how can it impact, like I said, you know, getting on the floor and playing, changing the health habits of the, of the household. But then also, again, tying it back into work, like getting those, maybe getting the promotion, maybe getting the raise having other opportunities, maybe re-entering the workforce if you had taken time off with children or something like that, um, having that confidence and maybe being able to overcome some of that disparity that happens when women do re-enter the workforce um, after taking time off of, you know, maybe you can move into a different role that that helps keep you on par with what you would have been in if you hadn't taken time off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, so again, it's I think when we elevate women in general in society, like everyone is elevated because they are at the core of so many of these households and relationships. And again, we're really good leaders. Um, But I think that that's part of it. And I think that taking that time, taking that step and really just like putting yourself first, it feels selfish. I mean, like that is the definition of selfishness probably is like putting yourself first, but it can be changing not just for you, but for other people in your life. No doubt. And that's what we we hope that you feel again that you are worthy and that you as a woman can, you know, we are here, other people are there, join a support group, ask for help. Although I, you know, I think sometimes that's even difficult. What am I going to ask for help with? You're going to go pick up my kid from school. You have your own kids to pick up from school. Like there is, you know, that's, that's challenging too. It is challenging, but I also know because women are awesome, like they would do it for you. Yeah. You know, I think it would be like, I'll go. I don't even I live very far from you. If I'll go pick your kids up from school, like I'll make it happen. You know, I think that's the the power of of womanhood and and people that have come into womanhood as well. Um, All are welcome here. And I think that like that's part of the beauty of it, too, is that support system that that thrives within it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. Sometimes you don't know when to wave the white flag. Like, mm-hmm. if it feels, again, like I'm being vulnerable right now to say that I need help. And then what's your problem? Oh, you just had weight loss surgery? Then there's that whole dynamic of, like, what do this does this person even think that I should have? And maybe I don't want to tell them. And maybe, like... Maybe things didn't go as planned with your surgery and now you're having complications or a harder recovery. And then it's like your worst nightmare coming to life. And uh, that's always it's just tough. It's just really is it's tough. But again, this process, there's nothing easy about doing something that's totally worth it. And and that's what you're trying to do and, and lean on others. Maybe strangers become friends. Support groups are great. Um, you know, chat with somebody, start up, strike up a conversation sometimes with um, privately message people. I don't know. I feel like people are more open than you would ever imagine. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you the thing is, like, the thing that always makes me, like, kind of cry is I'm so moved by somebody's just random act of kindness or um, just very generous. Like, when somebody, like, connects me with somebody else, they thought about me and they thought about them and they thought that we would work well together and just, like, you know, trying to do this whole new venture of my life and all those things. And when people um, are like, come out of the woodwork to help you, it's like... I don't know. It like chokes me up a little bit. I do. I feel like very just moved um, that others like are rooting me on. And and then I'm like, yeah, I want to root them on too. And we are rooting you on, my friends. We We are are rooting all on women and men, all of you on there in this journey to, 
just how we're all this crazy life we're all living here. Yep, absolutely. So whatever you need, we're here for you. Check us out at our website, Dr. X Dietitian. Be sure to sign up for those um, episode guides so you can get that to your email. And then, of course, you can also find us on Instagram at Dr. X Dietitian. And otherwise, we'll be here cheering you on until next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.